Welcome to Fiber Variety Hour. Back in January, we sat down with Candace from the Farmer's Daughter Fiber and talked about her experience of starting a yarn business and how it has morphed over time. We're so happy to finally be able to share this with you after a very busy and long year. Enjoy. We're here with Candace English from Farmer's Daughter Fibers, and it's, it's really nice to meet you today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, do you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about your business, just like a basic um, overall wh- where you've Access. come from with it and everything? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I started in 2016. Um, I was a... Um, previously in early childhood education and um, really loved my job, loved working with kids, but really just doesn't pay well for teachers. I was a director at a child care center. Um, and so the turnover was really horrendous. So it was really hard to build like a quality program while there was so much turnover. Um, I also was just like in this nine to five, which was not a nine to five. It was like a seven to seven, um, salaried paid corporate job. I worked for corporate childcare, really great company, but, um, still corporate. And so I was just really unhappy where I was at in my life, um, I just didn't really feel like I was fulfilling what I needed to. Uh, I had been a knitter since 2009 and, you know, really just loved knitting. When my kids were little, I had made things for them um, or made, sorry, made things to sell. And, you know, that was great. It, It basically kept me being able to buy more yarn and was my, my yarn revenue was selling my, my knitwear. Uh, So I knew that like I wanted to do something in the knitting industry or in the fiber arts industry, but I knew that knitting and selling my things was never going to be like a sustainable uh, career. I had done some hand dyeing um, with plants and my mom is an herbalist, so I have a lot of plant knowledge. She does a lot of traditional medicine. And so that was I loved that, but it was more almost like a spiritual part of it for me. And I didn't necessarily want to sell that. I also knew that I didn't want to like go out and gather plants and then dye them. And then it was just an, an added process. So I started just researching, um, you know, dyeing yarn. I knew a couple of other people that did it, but at that point in like early 2016, I feel like hand dyed hadn't blown up as much as it has now. It was kind of like right before it completely blew up. Um, Also in Montana, you know, we're like a little bit more secluded. I don't even think Instagram must have been a thing, but I'm not even sure if I was um, on it. So just like my knowledge of how many people were hand dyeing was not there. I kind of thought like I was inventing something really special, which... Now, now I know I did not. Um, so I just started dyeing yarn. I, my brother gave me $5,000 to start farmer's daughter fibers, um, which was amazing. Yeah. And I bought everything without really even dyeing yarn first. Like I bought all the dyes. I bought all the yarn I bought myself a new computer. I made a little setup in my basement, a uh, laundry room. I mean, like maybe 200 square feet of even that. 
and then quickly realized it was something that I was good at doing, that what was in my head was able to put down onto a canvas. And I'd never been able to really do that before. Um, I've always been really creative, but I might like my siblings are both of my sisters are just amazing artists like they can draw portraits and just all of these beautiful beautiful things and I, I can barely draw a stick figure and so it was always so frustrating to that <laughs> yeah it was it's like so frustrating to not be able to um you know do that so it was the first time you know I think knitting was the first time I was like okay this is something creative I can do like the colors and the fibers like I'm getting like you know fulfilling this creative spiritual thing that I've always wanted. And then with dying, it was even more so. I was lucky to find that the medium that you were, could work in. Totally. Yeah. And so I really like started dying yarn. That part was, um, you know, that part was pretty intuitive for me. And then I worked really hard on my branding and my marketing and stuff like that. I took every single opportunity that I possibly could. Um, I started out going to farmer's markets here in Great Falls. I went to like these little tiny craft shows kind of around Montana, um, saved up enough money to go to a farmer's or not a farmer's market. It was a, a Montana made it's in Missoula and it's just like the most beautiful art market. If anybody's ever in Missoula, Montana and are in town when this thing happens, it's just the most beautiful, well done independent show. And so did that and made like $2,000, $2,500, which at that point was like massive for me. I was like, okay, I can do this. And then I put that into going to a bigger show. Um, I went to the Gorge Fiber Festival in Oregon and then was able to put that money into going to Vogue Seattle. And then at that point, I was really able to make a lot of connections with other designers um, and dyers and kind of form a community and do a lot of collaboration. So it was really a mix of like creating my own opportunities and taking every opportunity that I possibly could. And then um, traveled a lot. at a certain point, about 2018, I was like kind of in the same position I was before with my corporate job where I was just working all the time. And I was like, okay, this isn't going to sustain. I either need to like stay really small and just sell online and not do wholesale, you know, really just kind of reel it in or have more people help me. I had a couple of people help me, but it's always awkward when like people are coming into your weird, um, you know, yarn, sheep smelling basement. And it was, yeah. So that wasn't working out on a professional aspect that I really wanted, you know, FDF to be. So we found a space. It was an old laundry facility for a hospital and it was like the perfect space. It was all cement floors. There was drain in the floors. There were countertops with plugins all over the place. I mean, it was really perfect. And we're still in that same space. Um, It was 4,000 square feet and it's kind of divided into two different spaces. So one space we were dying out of and then the other space we had kind of made into like this cute little working area yarn shop um, area. So people were able to come in and we did a Wednesday night, knit night. It was really great. 
so that was 2018. My husband came along with me. He quit his job um, in the Air National Guard and started dying full time, which was awesome. I knew that at a certain point, there's nobody that's going to care as much about your business as your significant other or somebody who is in your family. He came along for the adventure. He's also really good at dyeing yarn. You know, dyeing yarn is very laborious and he's very strong. And so he also is really good at being really consistent where I am like, oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like I've made this recipe before, but you know, and that's not what customers want. So he has been really like such a great, Um, part of, you know, refining. And again, that professional aspect of FDF. And then, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say that Kat and I the other day, um, even though we obviously follow you and have like, um, really like what you do. And, um, but we were just kind of like a tootling around your website and that video that you have on there of him working in the space. And of course we're like, oh my gosh, that space, that must be so amazing. Yeah. Also just really cool to see the process on that scale. Um, even though it is really just him doing it, but it's such a big scaled up production of doing yeah. something compared to what, even what we do in a way. I mean, Kat does a lot more production than I do, but yeah, it was, it was just cool to see somebody else's process in that. And I, I just yeah. wanted to tell you, we appreciate that being on your site. Yeah. Really cool Thank see. you. Yeah. Yeah. So then again, I just traveled around a lot, um, and 2020 hit. And then I, I, at that point too, was kind of getting, being done traveling so much. My kids are getting older. Um, and I was just kind of felt like they were starting to need me more as the older they get than when they were, you know, eight to 12 is like such a sweet spot. And then all of a sudden they're babies again and they need you. Um, even though they don't know it, (laughs) they do. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we opened up a yarn shop in downtown great falls and that kind of solidified us sticking around a lot more. So the yarn shop actually opened after the pandemic hit. Is that what you're saying? Yep. September, 2020 is when we opened the shop. Very cool. Yeah. I'm not really sure what I was thinking, but, um, I think that <laughs> this is what I was thinking. Great Falls is a really interesting place. Um, if you came here 10 years ago, you would have thought you like walked into like 1994. Like it's like 10, 20 years behind the curve. But now we're finally catching up and the downtown area is just like such a beautiful Um, starting to really thrive down here. There's a lot of businesses opening up. So I just knew that I wanted to get into this space before that really started to take off. Um, And in the year um, and few months that I've been here, we are already seeing so many more shops really thrive here. So it's exciting to be a part of it and really be a part of the community locally. And what a cool um, location for your shop. I mean, you've got your literally bricks and mortar. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really cool looking. I mean, do you, is there a history behind the building? I, is there stuff that, um, the building was from what I know was built in the late 1800s and originally it was a, um, it was like a men's tailor 
shop and clothing store. So it's kind of cool to see it like come full circle of being that to now like a woman owned business where, you know, selling products for people to make their own. And also the textile history of it, you know, that's a really cool connection to have there. Um, the aesthetic just looks beautiful. You know, like you can tell that your branding comes through in the way that the shop looks too, you know, just looking at the photos that you have posted on your website and on social media and stuff. Um, something that you said earlier, uh, really struck me because I think as makers, we, um, often feel like we have to monetize everything that we do. And you talked about how, the natural dyeing that you did at the very beginning of everything was like very spiritual for you and you didn't want to go collect the things. I think that's actually really beautiful in a way because, you know, like it, it led you to dyeing what you're doing now and what, what you are, all of that. But um, the fact that you knew that that was for you and to keep that for you, uh, I just, I don't know. I, it, it, I wrote it down because I was like, oh, that, that was really um, beautiful because there are just times where I will do something purely for me. And then I do feel the need to move on with it, you know, like actually do some, you know, people pressure you to do that yeah. and to have that conviction right away is, is really, um, commendable. I think They're rare, yes, rare <laughs> too, especially for mothers, women, that kind of thing, just being able to hold that sacred space for something and say, this has value is in what it's giving me or what I'm experiencing with it, not in someone else's delegation of funds. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, as a maker, as somebody who grew up pretty poor and didn't have much it's hard for me to not consistently be like okay I got this I'm good at this how can I make you know like how can I turn this into a project like how can I and it's not even necessary I think it's just more of a survival like thing too it's not necessarily like oh I need more money it's more like oh what can I do with this you know how can I And I was actually just telling one of my coworkers yesterday, like, I've got to get out of that mindset. Like I need to, you know, and it's, again, it's not even about the monetization. It's like sharing it, you know, and then you want to feel valued for your time. So you're going to charge for it. But I'm like, I don't need to actually do that at all. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, I I'm sorry. I interrupted your thought. I was just going to say, uh, going along with that, that community is obviously very important to you. Um, and so I can see how it would be difficult to be like, I want to share this knowledge, but also realizing that you have to, um, in some, to some degree anyway, uh, be able to make some of that back for your time and everything. Um, Do you want to talk about uh, some things that you do with the community uh, through the shop or anything? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that like when we started FDF that it was, I really thought about like just specific words that were going to help me make decisions and community was always really at the top of that list. And so it's something that has like, you know, helped us along throughout, you know, is this a part of that goal when I'm making a decision? Um, So, you know, starting out in the dye studio, we had our little yarn shop there and our Wednesday night knit groups and hosting events and 
Um, just really trying to create a space for makers that was really inclusive and positive. Um, a lot of times you can get into these knitting circles and it's like a lot of gossip and a lot of, you know, toxic behaviors and stuff like that. And so I just really wanted to make sure to step away from that and have it be a, you know, a really positive um, space for people to come in. And then same with opening up the yarn shop um, downtown and making it, you know, the dye studio is amazing. That space was awesome um, for, you know, the yarn shop when we had it there, but it's, it's like a weird building. It's very odd. It's, it's kind of in a rough neighborhood. Like it's not someplace you're like, Oh, I'm going to go to this cute little yarn shop. Um, and so, you know, just having a more welcoming space for people and aesthetically pleasing, um, easy to find, easy to find it's right downtown. It's great. So yeah, we didn't even have like a sign outside. Um, (laughs) but you know, and then having this space to really have it be a maker space for all makers, knitters, crocheters, um, you know, we have fabric and just anything that you can think of and having people come in and bring groups in, um, or we are surrounded by such a rural area that will have people, you know, kind of from all over meet here and then they can get together and have lunch and be able to make. So that is really important. And then obviously um, we started Sisters United in 2019 and that was a, a first an initiative um, to raise funds for missing and murdered indigenous people, MMIW or MMIWP. Um, and that really took off, turned into in its own 501c3. And so that is obviously very community driven, um, and a big part of what we do here. That's amazing. You both present information and support your community in a really forward and lovely way. Um, just like I said, we cruising through your, um, your website and your blog and Instagram and all those kind of things. Cause I mean, not just the day-to-day, like posting here or doing this here, it's getting to, to kind of dig into some of the nitty gritty and, and not shy away from it, but not in a must pull off a bandaid kind of way, but in a, here's how we can support kind of way. It's really lovely to see Yeah. (laughs) My brain just stopped on me. Yeah. No, I think that, um, you know, it's one, it's really hard to be vulnerable. I hate it. I hate to like, you know, and especially when you're mixing it with business. And I think that if you're in the knitting industry or the fiber arts industry and you're on Instagram, you know, what's happening, you know, what's going on, you know, these conversations are being held outside of that. People do not understand. Like I will tell like my friends of like things that are going on or things. And they're just like, what, like, why do people, why is this going? Why are you guys having these conversations? Like, what is this, you know, why is this happening? In such an intense way. Um, And I think one, we don't give ourselves enough credit as a community that we are having these conversations, um, that we are, you know, getting down to the nitty gritty of things. And that these women who have started businesses from nothing 
are kind of taking the risk, not kind of, they are taking the risk to put themselves out there. Um, It's unfortunate that it is like, you know, our world is so political right now and everything is so politically driven um, where I just more want to like share my story and my background and where I'm coming from and then be able to move forward in like a really peaceful way. I know that there's different ways to get to the same um, result, but I living where I live and growing up where I did, if you're telling people, you know, how wrong they are or canceling them, I just don't think that it's necessarily um, going to solve anything. So I like to have those conversations and then give people the opportunity to be able to be like, okay, I feel safe that I can navigate through this. And we can talk about some of my feelings because we all have those feelings and we all have had those feelings about something, you know, at some point. So it's, yeah, it's definitely been polarized. I don't want to even just say lately, it's just being put in that social media spotlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think too, um, you know, how we approach those things and the fact that they do get interlaced with our businesses is because our businesses are us, you know, I mean, like they are a part of us and, you know, to be able to just, it, you can't separate it, you know, like it's very integrated into that because it is who you are as a person. And so then you are going to obviously have that start being a part of your business, whether it is, um, creating a nonprofit as you've done, or, um, you know, providing a space or, you know, anything like that, or even just being vocal and having those conversations. And it's really interesting to hear you say that about people um, being like, why, why are you having that conversation in, with like your fiber people? And it's like, well, because you should be having them with all the people in your life. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So yeah. I, I appreciate that, that, um, that conversation, even right now that we're having. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, um, I think it's important to have, and I, like you said, like it, our, our businesses are art, you know, whether you're a dyer or a designer or you're a maker, it is art. And that is such a big part of you and fiber arts is such a like healing craft that I think that it's hard to separate all of those things out of it. You know, they really are knit together. <laughs> yeah. Cause we're really putting a piece of ourselves in anything that we make. Yeah. So, and I know that, I mean, you said your kids are starting to get a little bit older. So also it's like, it's, it's that whole leading by example and teaching our kids, you know, how the world can be yeah, and helping them sure. see that they can yeah. make it that way. I often wonder because I grew up, my mom quilted and always like cross stitch. She kind of always had a project going in her lap and my dad did a lot of woodworking and um, that obviously had an impact on me because I felt like those were things that not only could I pursue as hobbies, but I could also, you know, like I do, I actually went to art school. So it's like, I, I went to school for the thing, even though I would have never thought that was possible as a kid. And I often wonder if like my son looks at what I do and if he's going to like want to work with his hands later or, you know, cause I think that's a really important thing. And 
um, you know, I kind of wonder sometimes because like all of a sudden I'll see someone be like, oh, my, my son or daughter just designed this colorway for me or whatever. And um, I didn't know if do your kids have any interest in your business or are they just like in their own world? Um, I think that they're just in their own world. I mean, Addie, my daughter used to knit when she, like, I think I taught her when she was six and you know, that lasted maybe a year. And just like two nights ago, she was like, I think that I might want to, you know, pick up some needles and some yarn. And I was like, I'm not going to be excited. I'm not going to act excited. I'm going to totally play it cool. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, we can totally do that. And, but inside I'm like dying. So excited. Oh, I'm uh, feeling that one so hard. I know. And then, you know, as far as like the business goes, I try to bring her in to like work the cash register, like help out zero, zero interest. And same with my son too. He helped out this summer rinsing yarn in the dye studio with the crew and, um, you know, when he could, but yeah, I don't know. Neither one of them right now have much interest in, in the business. I don't know. We'll see if they do later on. I think even observing how hard a work it is, you know, I'm sure that 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 experience rinsing all of that was totally. like, oh, this isn't just just like, oh, yarn, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's, it's really hard work. All of it yeah. is. I think that they see how hard that I work. I mean, I'm not always, you know, I can be home quite a bit, but I'm not always home and traveling and they, I think they know what it takes. I would hope that, you know, whether or not they want something to do with FDF later on is that they can get that entrepreneurial sense, you know, that you don't necessarily, well, if they want to go to college, that would be amazing. But at this point where we're at, like, you don't have to go to college to do what you want to do. Um, and that, you know, it's, it's actually, if you just grind away for a little while, it's not that hard to make your passion, your life and your career. And I also think, I hope that they see that, you know, I just wanted to do something that made me happy. You know, that's really the most important thing is life is too short and just do what, do what you want, do what makes you happy. That's huge. And we have such, it seems like we have such a funneling system these days that are, college is the way and college is the only option and, yeah. you know, go get a job that you can make lots of money. And, mm -hmm. you know, what is the most lucrative job right now? And it's like breaking that stigma of what you must do. And like you said, doing what you love, like Emily getting to go in and learn the things that you wanted to learn and get the education that you wanted to get. Yeah. And the flip side of that, I um, am hundred percent self-taught. And have half of a, an associate's degree in like general ed. And then I got yeah. a job and I was like, yeah. you know what? But then I also see this um, student debt epidemic. Yeah. Um, or endemic. But that really is hindering so many people, especially with some of the, I, want, I'll, I don't want to say higher education, fancy education degrees. Yeah. <laughs> because we, I mean, we need healthcare workers. We need all of these things. But we also have gotten into the habit, I think, as a society of valuing less the experience of life that we bring to our work than sometimes the credentials behind it. Yeah, for sure. So I'm hoping, 
I've, I've tried to be very, both my husband and I, we just have worked where we're at and you know, it's like work up to where you, you want to be and do what you yeah. want to do and love it. And that can be so many different things. It can be education. It can be self-education. It doesn't have yeah. to be, it can be college. It can be university. It can yeah. be internship. It can be, you know, the, the trade school. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. Totally. Like, I was I'm like grasping for it. I'm like that one thing, the thing that I'm very skilled. Yeah, for sure. I mean, trade school is like, we need so many people for those, for those jobs right now, especially. So yeah, I think like I have a kid in college right now too. And like they started in 2019. So they have never had a full college school year where they've been able to go to class or anything. And that's hard. It's got to be so hard for these kids right now. And it's, you know, and I, but I think that that is going to bring about some change in how people approach things. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Funny that we're not talking about fiber at all anymore. <laughs> well, it's, it's all intertwined. It's like, it it's is, all knit it really together. Is. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that seeing that there are other opportunities and options out there and that working hard can really do it and that you can then go, oh, maybe a business class here and there might be good for me or, or something like that to kind of improve upon those things. Um, something a slightly different topic, but something I wanted to ask you about, because, you know, you have a giant line of yarn, um, Mm -hmm. that, that you dye and, but then you also carry some other artists in your shop. And did you want to maybe talk about how you, how you choose some of those artists and how you, what, like what, what makes you bring a particular artist into your shop and what you offer? Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of hard because we, you know, that's what we do is we dyed the yarn. We have the things. So we try to bring in things that maybe are going to fill gaps, um, for our shop. And then also things that are going to enhance what we already have. So we have Sandinese Garn, which is a Norwegian company. It's more of a commercially dyed yarn. Um, really lovely because they are very conscientious about um, their impact on the earth. And that is really like for commercial dyed yarn, what I was looking at. Their facility is very, um, very eco-friendly and their yarn is really lovely. It's all wool. Um, they have superwash and non-superwash wool. Um, so we love, we love them. And then, um, we have spin cycle yarn, which obviously just really enhances what we already do here. It mixes so well with a lot of our FDF bases. Um, and, um, Kate and Rachel are just amazing. Their story is amazing. I mean, they're very like independent, you know, women who, um, who, have it like they're just their business mindset and everything that they do um behind the scenes you know what they believe in is um really aligns with with fdf as well and then we have a couple other we have wandering flock we have cake wool and those were more just to bring in some like fun new brands um and to give our customers here like a little bit of variety we don't dye like a lot of really bright yarns we don't dye on um like a boucle yarn so kind of just filling in a little bit of those gaps make sure that we're we're hitting all of all of the different bases how has that 
transition been from, you know, from solely doing your yarn, which of course you're not doing, you know, you're still doing that, yeah, but also that transition to finding the balance of your dyed yarns and bringing in other yarns and deciding what to do with that. How is that? What kind of a transition and mindset was that? Um, I love yarn and I'll just buy it all. So it's <laughs> <really> hard. <laughs> Everyone here is always like, what did you get now? Um, you know, I think that because I spent so much time on the road at yarn shops that I was really able to see, you know, what I liked about it, what I didn't like about it, maybe what I would do differently. And then also, I mean, it was very authentic and like fluid on opening up our own shop on what we knew that we wanted. And again, what was going to enhance um, FDF and what our local community, you know, kind of needs and wants. And we're still figuring that out. I would say the transition of being a, you know, 2020 was crazy, obviously for a lot of reasons, but we just blew up like even more. I mean, we were so busy during 2020 because everyone was at home knitting. And because I wasn't all over the place, I wasn't exhausted from traveling, you know, traveling once a month and you like, I could barely unpack a bag before I was packing another one. Um, I was able just to be a lot more creative because I wasn't so tired all the time. And so I think that opened up a lot. Now, I think it's hard, you know, sometimes of that transition of just being, you know, a yarn dyed company to a yarn shop owner. There's a, there's just so much, I mean, there's so much work that goes into everything. You're doing the marketing, you're doing your taxes, you're doing you know, we have a crew of 11 people. You're making sure that all of your employees are happy. You're making sure that um, everybody's taken care of. You are buying supplies and restocking supplies and classes. I mean, it just, it's, it's a lot of different things. My job is very, um, it, not one day looks the same. So. You're never going to get bored. <laughs> never going to get bored now. And it's funny. I'll like run into people in town. They're like, Oh, who's watching the shop. I'm like, I don't watch the shop. Like I don't, I have, you know, I'm, I'm running everything else. Like I'm not just watching the shop. I'm not dying yarn. I'm just kind of have my foot in a little bit of everything. You're really doing the full juggling act. Yes. And yes. keeping everything moving. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. like, that's a ton of work. Oh my yeah. gosh. But I mean, and you said bringing in um, classes and things, cause it looked like you have some, have done some tapestry weaving classes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we have, yep. We have all kinds of classes. So, so it also brings that education and that teaching aspect and, you know, passing on those. Yeah. Skills. Yeah. And I feel like every single thing that you have done with your business has had something to do with community in some way, you know, whether it's providing yeah. something, you know, it, like you talk about how it's very rural all around you. And so it's probably really, really special for the people in your area to be able to walk into that beautiful shop and have that selection. Um, we, uh, one of our first interviews was with Meg Croft, who owns Woven Art in East Lansing. And yeah, that was actually the episode that I listened oh, to. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Because yeah. I know she yeah. carries your work in there. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, 
one of the things that we talked to her was like um, some accessibility and affordability of things. So mm -hmm. even like the commercial yarn that you do carry, but still yeah. found a commercial yarn um, that aligned with your values, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so like, you're still filling that for your community in that way too. And, you know, I noticed you have macrame supplies and I mean, it, it's like, you have a little bit of everything and to be able to share even what's trendy right now, you know, you talked about how, um, things are, might be a little bit behind where you're at, but like, even if you've been living under a rock, I think people have realized that macrame is back in a really big way, <laughs> you yeah. know, and yeah, for sure. So it's, it's, it's really a fun thing because it is something that can macrame and even like tapestry weaving and stuff can really, uh, bring somebody into textiles that maybe didn't know how to knit, but are like, oh yeah, I can, I can go warp. in and out yeah. <laughs> through a warp. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just, you can really tell that that's all very important to you and it lives in everything that you do. And I don't know, I'm, I'm just complimenting you. I don't know if that, there's a question. In that, but... <laughs> I, I actually am curious because you're wearing all of the hats. You really are because yeah. you kind of started up each piece of it and are managing each piece of it still. How do you, how do you recharge and disengage and keep yourself able to keep wearing all those hats? What's, what's, what's your. Well, first I have to say, yeah, I mean, I have such an awesome crew. Everybody here is so like like all in on what we're doing, you know, everybody is so dedicated and really truly cares what goes out the door. I mean, I think that, I mean, obviously without them, you know, I would just be dying, you know, a little bit out of my basement and it would be a much smaller, you know, scale of what we're doing. So, I mean, I really have to first like attribute a lot of that to them. I also try to like build a culture here where everybody feels like a family that we're going to take care of them and they take care of us and really, you know, a job that I never had, you know, a position that I never had. Um, and what would that look like for me if I, you know, wasn't where I was at and I was just working at a place, how would I want to feel? Um, but we also bust our butts here. I mean, it's, you know, it's not, um, it's, there's always something to do. So I just have to say that before, because I do wear a lot of hats and I am really busy, but I've gotten to a place where I don't have to necessarily work, you know, 80 hours a week, 60 hours a week. Some weeks I can work 20 hours a week and it's really great. Like I'm at a place where, where I can find the space to continue to be creative because that's such a big part of my job. Um, I would say that is 50% of my job, 60% of my job is to come up with new ideas to keep people's interest. And I know that I can't do that if I'm burned out. So I have, you know, what are the things that make me happy? What are the things that bring me joy? And how do I continue to do those things so then I can continue to be creative? So mostly those things, you know, right now are being able to move my body. Um, I've noticed, you know, I really 
because I was hustling for so long. Um, I think that growing up, you know, there was just a lot going on when I was a kid, you know, there was a lot of trauma. There's a lot of generational trauma. Um, and so I was kind of my, my body was in my mind was in a place of this constant hustle, 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 go, 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 you know, all of this stuff. And last year was the first year that I was like, okay, I cannot sustain this. I can't keep going like this. I can't continue to run myself absolutely to the ground. Um, it's not making my family happy. It's not making myself happy. It's not making anybody happy. So I now, before I schedule anything, I schedule when I'm gonna, you know, work out or go for a walk. Um, I make sure, and this doesn't always happen. Um, you know, there's going to be times where we're a lot busier and I'm still in that hustle mode. You know, I am working eight hours a week. There's, there is going to be times and that's fine. I know that it's going to pass, you know, that, that the, the slow time is coming or the time that I can kind of refresh is coming, but more consistently across the board, you know, I make sure that I am, um, filling my body with nutritious food, like those simple things have changed my life. And I know that it's, you know, that's what people tell you and you're like, yeah, whatever. But I think that those two things really are, you know, and I also think that I have like little red flags of being like, okay, is it, um, you know, I'm not knitting. I don't really want to knit. I'm too tired. And it's not because I don't want to knit. It's because I'm too tired to knit. That's like a red flag for me. Like, okay, I have to, you know, I've been really good about saying no. I say no a lot. Um, and I hate it, but also at the same time, I know what, you know, I know what I need to do. So, well, we are so glad you said yes to us. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I got a second that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. but also I'm kind of like (laughs) wanting to put sticky notes all over it being like, Drink the darn water. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing. All those um, things. You- they know. I, I know. I just think it's so important. And I mean, I never liked like I working out or like being active at all. Like I just it was nothing that like filled me up. Like it wasn't like, oh yeah, like let's go for a hike or let's. I mean, I live in Montana for God's sake. Like, you know, and I but since I have done that, it's been more of like a spiritual journey of being like, okay, you know, if I'm not like taking care of the one thing that I need to take care of, I can't take care of everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that has helped a ton. I also really love tarot cards. I do tarot a lot. Um, so you have the knitting tarot at your shop. Um, I just got the stitch. I haven't even looked at it. Like we just got it. The stitch, the stitchers tarot. Is that yes? Yes. It's so cool. I'm really excited to play with it. I have, like I said, I haven't even, we just got it. So I haven't even looked at it yet, but yeah. And that's like the thing, like all, if I find one thing, like I love tarot and then we started bringing tarot cards and then I'm like, Ooh, let's get this tarot deck and this tarot deck and this one. So I can share with everyone else. (laughs) I think that's something that is so incredible about how connected people can be anymore is that like 
there's so much overlap in the things that we love, right? So like what we were just talking, you know, a tarot deck that is a knitter's tarot deck. Yeah. And yes. The fact that there is enough of a uh, a following or a, an interest in something like that, that like some, you know, and, and this even goes to like a friend of mine designed a knitting game that's knitting the card game. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's super fun. And it's like, and then it supports a bunch of people at the same time. And to be able to, um, kind of just like nerd out over those things in that really great way. And then also, you know, like uh, what a great thing for you to have in your shop with those things, because you're, it's just, it just becomes part of your brand in that way because you're excited about it and and doing it. I think too, it makes us more creative. Like, you know, if we're filling ourselves up with different things, it does kind of give you that maybe it's just endorphins, but (laughs) I don't know. I feel like there is a, a growth and, um, birthing of ideas when we, when we feed the the body and the soul, we can then produce, you know, ideas and, um, creativity. And maybe I know we wouldn't have, you know, some of those things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything else that you um maybe wanted to promote? Do you have anything coming up or like a new product or anything or even if it's just what you got going on already? I know somebody <laughs> was like, "What are your goals for FDF for 2022?" I'm like, "You know, I just feel like we're in such a good place right now. Like I'm just okay with like maintaining yeah. and um you know, I feel like after 2020, we're still kind of in this mode of like resting and healing and like not being, you know, too crazy with everything that we're doing. Um, I really want to, you know, promote our shop as a destination yarn shop and get people to come and visit, come to Montana it's such a beautiful place. I think it's so much of what people need right now. I think a connection with nature is so much of what people need right now. Um, and we have, you know, so much space. So, um, we have Leslie Ann Robinson coming in, she's knit graffiti and she's going to come in April for LYS day and do a bunch of workshops for us. So we're really excited about that and just bringing, you know, more people and guests into our shop, I think will be kind of our focus and, um, just to, you know, keep making and enjoying it. So that's kind of where we're, where we're at right now. That sounds like an amazing goal to have. (laughs) It sounds like coming up. Yeah. Um, Doing more than just surviving. Yeah. Thriving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thriving and just being happy and content, you know, I think is where we're at. Oh man. That's where it's at. Yeah. (laughs) Right there. Thank you so much, Candace. Um, yeah, thank you so please, much for having me. Of course, please let us know anytime if there's anything you have coming up, and we will put it out there. Uh-huh. We have a very small following so far, but now um, and you, know, you never know when you're going to reach somebody you might not have. So. Yeah, absolutely. And let me know when this comes out, and I'll make sure to cross promote. Absolutely. It as well. So yeah. We hope you enjoyed our interview in early 2022 with Candace English. You can learn more about what they have going on and their yarns at thefarmersdaughterfibers.com, as well as at shops around the country. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we can't wait to bring you more Fiber Variety Hour. Welcome back.